Hall of Fame or Hall of Shame? Hall of Very Good or Hall of Slightly Below Average? Lifetime Achievement Award or Participation Trophy? Well, you're just going to have to continue listening to this download to find out what I think of the WWE Hall of Fame with our special WWE Hall of Fame Pick'em Show this week here on Kicking Out of Two. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth. Thank you all so very much as we are cruising along, heading into WrestleMania season. Hall of Fame's always a part of that. It's always a fun time. Fans construct and conform their own Hall of Fame classes. So I thought, why not we do that here this week on Kicking Out of Two? I'm going to be offering my own opinion, my right to that opinion on who should be in the WWE Hall of Fame for the year 2020. I'm going to give you the realistic class that WWE would present us, and I'm going to give you my own little fantasy class of who I would like to see go in the Hall of Fame this year for the year 2020 in the WWE. Um, just like the music playing in the background, I do not own the rights to that, but I own the right to my opinion as to who I think is going to be in the Hall of Fame, and uh, I can't wait to get you guys all up to speed and who, what, where, when, and why they're going into the Hall of Fame this week here on Kicking Out of Two. But before I do all of that, it's time for a cheap plug. It's time to plug the social media. It's time to plug the Retro Mania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. So you can head on over to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. Hit that like button. Tell a friend to hit the like button. If you've already hit the like button, tell multiple friends to hit the like button. Tell other friends to tell multiple friends to hit the like button. And be a part of all the fun we're having over there. I got funny pictures and memes and gifs and articles and links to archive shows. We have all the links up there posted every single week on our Facebook page. That's where the most action is uh, when it comes to kicking out of two on social media. You can also find us on the Twitter. Our handle is at kicking out two. K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T and the number two. 140 to 220 characters or less. You're going to find all the same mumbo-jumbo I'm giving you over on Facebook, but doing it in a, a, a smaller, scaled format on the Twitter. Um, and of course, like I said, time to plug the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network because that's where you can find this show and all the great shows as a part of that network. All the great bonus content we got going on over there. We got Hulkamania is Dead. We have Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Origins of Attitude, Kicking Out at Two, Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, other great bonus content. Show we're going to be throwing out some bonus content for Wrestlemania season as we get closer to Wrestlemania coming up in the, 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 the beginning of April. It's going to be a great time over there. If you like nostalgic pro wrestling podcasts, evergreen podcasts that you can go back and listen to anytime you want, then head on over to the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. Search Retromania with a W on any podcast platform available, whether that's Google Play, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and all the great podcast platforms available. SoundCloud.com too, where Kicking Out of Two originated. You can find our shows as well as the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over there on the SoundCloud uh, by searching Retromania with a W. Um, and uh, yeah, you can uh, be a part of all the great fun that we have by giving you this nostalgic pro wrestling network that is Retromania. So look for that Retromania with a W. You can find Retromania on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, their handle is at Retromania Pod. And uh, 
you know, Facebook Retromania with a W. Um, some cool stuff over there, similar to the vibe I have going on at Kicking Out at 2. Um, so, yeah, you can go check them out over there. And that about does it for the cheap plugs this week. As I always do, same spot, same time after I do the open. I usually do the cheap plugs. I try to get all that shit out of the way because I have to because I want you all to be informed on where you can find us and where you can find Retromania and be a part of all the great fun. So I got to do it early on because if I get into the thing, the swing of things, it's just going to be a it's just gonna be a hot mess. I'm going to be driving the Hot Mess Express and I won't be able to get to the plugs because I'm just going to keep rolling, rolling, rolling like I am right now and I'll totally forget. So that's why I do it in the beginning. It's I know it's formulaic. Maybe I'll do like a little break in the middle of the show. I don't know. I'll figure it out. But um, yeah, so uh, give us a, give us a shout on Facebook, Twitter. Do the same thing for Retromania. Search all the great shows. Got some really fun podcasts over there. Um, Kobe Nida, the mayor, um, the the architect, if you will, of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Has a shitload of content over there. Holy cow, does he ever. So um, be a part of all that fun over there and go check it out right now. Um, all right. So. Like I said, I'm going to give you guys a realistic approach as to what I think the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2020 is going to be this year. And then I'm going to give you um, my own fantasy version of the Hall of Fame class. Picks that I think are deserving of going in, but uh, you know, knowing WWE's track record and how they put together the Hall of Fame these guys aren't exactly on the radar you know what i mean but they're very deserving with you know considering the contributions they've made to our industry but before i give you both of those separate classes um I wanted to talk a little bit about my thoughts on the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, usually this time of year um, when they start announcing, you know, the, the particular talents that are going to be enshrined, um, of course, you get the obvious fan backlash on social media. This guy should have gone in. Oh, it's about time this one went in. Why are they putting this person in? This person never wrestled for WWE. Who the hell are they putting this guy in for? Oh, they put Bruiser Brody in the Legacy Hall of Fame? What the hell? Like, he deserves his own regular induction, not lumped in with 40 other people you know shit like that um then you get the 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 outcry from fans that is like well it's not a real hall of fame because this person isn't in it or it's not a real hall of fame because they don't actually have a physical building in and of itself um the hall of fame's not credible you know who's choosing these guys who's who's making these decisions oh is it vince he's in his office he's drunk as shit and he decides oh i want to put you know jacques rougeau in the hall of fame for no fucking reason like you get all of that when it comes to the hall of fame talk and i thought i'd give you my thoughts on on the actual Hall of Fame in and of itself. Um, I brought it up just a second ago. The physical building, the physical site, or lack thereof, I should say. There is no currently a, a, a place to go to to um, you know see all the artifacts and um, look up the, uh, the 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 inductees or who the, the folks who are already inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. There were rumors a few years ago that that there was talk of building one, possibly in um, in Orlando, um, taking up the, uh, the the some space on the Universal Studio City Walk as a part of the Universal Studios um, theme park attraction. Um, but uh, you know those are just rumors. Um, an idea that I thought of recently when I was um, when I was, you know, talking about, um, you know, the Hall of Fame with uh, with a buddy of mine, um, you know, we're in the era in the last couple of years, well, for a while now, of like reboots and nostalgia. Um, that's another reason why I do this podcast in the first place because I'm a big, you know, wrestling nostalgic uh, kind of guy, and um, 
you know, pop culture, um, has has helped has has been a driving force behind some of the you know nostalgia that we've seen in in forms of entertainment you know uh, for instance i'll go back to um beverly hills 90210 did a reboot last summer um and uh you know during the the anticipation building up to that reboot uh there was a um what they call pop-ups um there was a pop-up diner that was built um in a temporary location um resembling the diner that the characters would go to on a regular basis on the tv show it was called the peach pit it was called the peach pit pop-up and you would get to, um, you know, uh, see some of the stars and the cast that, you know, were part of the show. You can get autographs and you can get something to eat there. And it was there for a limited time only. Um, the TV show Saved by the Bell is currently doing one because they have a similar um, scene where there's a uh, like a this 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 hangout place called the max it's like a, it's like a burger joint where all the where all the kids go to hang out um they, they recently uh, set up one of those pop-up shops the tv show friends um there's been rumors of maybe doing like a friends reboot or a friends movie um i don't know how serious that is but um you know there's a friends pop-up uh location where you can go sit in the um the 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 old central perk um coffee shop uh the same scene that you know a lot of the characters in the cast from that TV show would go hang out and they, you know, did their thing there. Um, I thought maybe, you know, with the, with the outcry from wrestling fans for a physical hall of fame, if WWE were to have built a pop-up hall of fame, so to speak, and they were to use it, um, you know, to, to garner more ticket sales at, live events or maybe even like major pay-per-views like a money in the bank or um a summer slam or you know a survivor series um you know access is kind of constructed for wrestlemania but um you know, if you were to take this pop-up Hall of Fame and you can rotate artifacts in and out of there and you can maybe have, you know, Hall of Famers who have already been inducted appear and do autograph signings and drive people to go to this pop-up Hall of Fame. Um, and it's it's very mobile um, and you don't, you don't have to, you know, obviously pay millions of dollars to build a physical structure to put all this stuff in, you know. Um, you can keep it fresh and, uh, you know, incorporate it with the current product today. You know, like I said, a money in the bank weekend you have you know a, a ticket sales and you can if you buy a, a you know a, a certain level of tickets whether it's floor seats or the first five rows they get a vip experience and they get to tour the wwe hall of fame pop-up that's there um and maybe get an autograph from someone you know like a little special meet and greet stuff like that um and, you know, another idea that I thought of when it comes to the physical building in and of itself of the wwe hall of fame um is uh you know where you could you could build a structure in and of itself and it's standalone and you can use it as a tourist attraction but you can also try to you know keep it regularly flowing with you know maybe live matches you know you have a ring and almost like a little arena kind of like what they have at full sale with nxt um and you can tape shows from there and you can tape special matches from there you can sell tickets you know you know 
drive revenue by having Hall of Famers and even some of the current stars appearing there um, while you can tour the Hall of Fame. So you can go get, you know, Randy Orton's autograph and then afterwards you can go walk around the Hall of Fame or maybe they do a, a special TV taping, um, you know, live from the WWE Hall of Fame. It's Saturday night's main event or it's a special edition of NXT. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think that there's um, the opportunity for for that to blossom and grow uh, when it comes to the physical building and structure. But that seems to be one of the points of contention when it comes to the Hall of Fame is that there's no building, so therefore there's no credibility. The Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame has one um, somewhere in upstate New York. Um, there's other different Hall of Fames that have you know physical buildings and structures. Obviously, Canton, Ohio for football, Cooperstown for baseball, Springfield, Massachusetts for the Basketball Hall of Fame, you know, stuff like that. Um, and those are big major tourist attractions. And I feel like WWE as a brand, they're so strong globally that, you know, a, a, a heavy tourist attraction like in Orlando, Florida, you could build a structure and people would go to it. But I think this pop-up idea could be something that is less expensive for them and something that they can use to help drive ticket sales for their pay-per-views and their major events and even some of their live events too even if they did it for like a house show like a house show at like madison square garden or something like around christmas time you know they they, they always seem to run the garden around christmas time or even in the summertime i know they've run the garden like in the middle of the summer if you ran like a house show or a tv taping there um and then you had this pop-up wwe hall of fame somewhere in new york city like you have millions of people there's there's millions of people that, that live in New York City and millions more that, that, that travel through New York City on a regular basis. And so it could be – I think it could be beneficial. I think it could be something that you could kind of look into more. Um, and uh, the other point of contention when it comes to the Hall of Fame is the credibility of some of the inductees. You know, you, like I said, you get fans that are like, oh, they put this guy in. What did he do? Oh, this guy. Oh, come on. Like, oh, now they're going to put this guy in a little too late, you know. Um, and for the longest time, when it comes to certain inductees, I've kind of scratched my head and I'm just like, yeah, all right. You know, I get why they did it. But, you know, Hall of Fame? Uh, I don't know. Um, it's, you know, the, the Hall of Fame has turned into, in my opinion, a lifetime achievement award, regardless of what you've accomplished when it comes to Hall of Fame credentials. However, um, up until recently, um, you know, that's how I felt. But um, full disclosure, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of the guy, but I was watching an episode of The Herd, uh, the, the sports talk show on Fox, Fox Sports with Colin, Colin Cowherd, formerly of ESPN. And I've never been a big fan of him. He's just an opinionated asshole that has made money on having, you know, asshole-like opinions when it comes to sports and not really having the knowledge. He's, and to me, I feel like he's kind of like, he's kind of like Dave Meltzer with the, with the, the dirt sheets and the Wrestling Observer. Meltzer's never stepped in a wrestling ring in his life, never run a wrestling company before, but apparently he's an expert and he knows it all. Um, Colin Cowherd, I feel like, is like the Dave Meltzer of like sports talk radio. But anyhow, um, I would, you know, recently Eli Manning, New York Giant. Um, announced his retirement. I'm a big New York Giants fan. And uh, of course, when he announced his retirement, the talk came up is like, oh, well, you know, is he a Hall of Famer? And Eli's had that negative stigma over the years of not being an elite quarterback when it comes to the numbers he's produced and what he's contributed to football. You know, 
unlike you know guys like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and you know the, the even going before them guys like Steve Young and Joe Montana and you know the list goes on and on and anyhow so of course you know Eli retires and everyone's talking about you know oh Hall of Fame is he worth going into the Hall of Fame is he worthy to be you know inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame etc cetera, etc cetera. and um you know, being a New York Giant fan, maybe I'm a little bit biased, and, and I would say yes, but Colin Cowherd, who has always been very critical of Eli and his play and, you know, the numbers he's contributed as a quarterback to the sport of football, um, made some interesting points regarding an Eli Manning induction into the Hall of Fame, and he based it around relevancy. He first started off by saying that you know, there were names like in other sports, like Charles Barkley in basketball, for instance. Charles Barkley, you know, a larger-than-life personality, had a big mouth, um, worked hard, um, put out some good numbers in terms of points and, and rebounds and, you know, statistics, never won an NBA championship. Um, he was never a guy that could lead a team to a championship, even though he was probably the most popular player on his team. It was because of his larger than life personality, the, 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 the charismatic, um, effect he had, um, on the sport, you know, um, he just he just wasn't a, wasn't the, the kind of basketball player that could lead a team to a championship. He's inducted into the, 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 the professional basketball hall of fame, um, Boston Celtic legend Casey Jones. This is going way back, like older, like almost like before my time. I think it's like my father's era. And uh, Casey Jones would average seven points a game, but Casey Jones was a utility player. Casey Jones was one of those guys that, like, you pulled him off the bench so you can give Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish three or four minutes to rest in, you know, late in the third quarter before they got to really turn it up and play the whole fourth quarter to try and win the game. He's He was one of those guys. And... <coughs> I look at that and excuse me and I go back to some of the the names that WWE has picked to go into their Hall of Fame and one of the names that um really rang true to me after I was you know looking at some of these comparisons were the Bushwhackers who I was totally against going into the Hall of Fame I was like these guys didn't do shit I'm like are you kidding me Hall of Fame I was like they were a comedy act but in wrestling and the way wrestling has been, you know, the, the, the formula for structuring a show, the Bushwhackers were a comedy spot. They were the let me up match. They were the match where you put them on after a very emotionally charged match or you put them on right before the main event, like the popcorn match um, to kind of get some comic relief and kind of like, you know, change people's emotions as they're watching it because you know the main event usually is the most emotionally driven um match on the card um sometimes there's other matches in the middle of the card that, that have more investment than the main event nowadays but back then the main event was the most invested one that fans were into and so the bushwhackers would be would be put in a spot where they would have to go on after a, a, a really intense match or they would go on before the main event and kind of you know give the the fans some relief and take a breather for a minute um, before you got to get back into it and really get invested and so the bushwhackers reminded me a lot of like a casey jones in basketball um he was the let me up guy he was the guy that you know he he for the limited amount of time he got the job done he you know 
he produced and he was there to make sure that all right we're going to put Larry Bird on the bench for about two or three minutes, but we're going to need him in the fourth quarter. So let's get Casey out there. We know he can play defense. He works hard. He produces uh, rebounds, maybe scores a few points, but, you know, he's going to, you know, help keep it together until Bird's ready to go back in. So the Bushwhackers, I feel like, are, are like those guys. You can name a, uh, somebody who's not in the WWE Hall of Fame who it wouldn't surprise me if they put him in on his accomplishments alone. And that also reminds me of a player like a Casey Jones is Brad Armstrong. Brad Armstrong was, as they like to say, a good hand. He could go with anybody in the ring. You put him in any situation, any scenario, it worked, and you knew you weren't going to get a bad outing from Brad Armstrong. But Brad Armstrong didn't have that charisma that translated through the television screen to get people to, you know, invest in him. Um, but I could see somebody like him going into the Hall of Fame. You know, when it comes to a guy like Charles Barkley, a larger-than-life personality in basketball, you have a lot of larger-than-life personalities in WWE that have been into the Hall of Fame that didn't really produce Hall of Fame credentials, so to speak. Um, but they were relevant for that time period. They were relevant during their run. So, for instance, Charles Barkley, very flashy, reminds me uh, when it comes to being an over-the-top personality, somebody like the Godfather, who once played Papa Shango, who was a number of different characters. But the Godfather, you know, Ho Train, Pimps and Hoes, Pimp and Hoes Nationwide, Roll a Fatty for this Pimp Daddy. You know, Godfather used to get some of the loudest pops when he would come out on Monday Night Raw. And of course, it was largely attributed to the Ho Train, but um, Godfather, uh, you know, was a big staple of the Attitude Era during that time period. He was relevant. You knew when you watched Monday Night Raw, you would see all the names. You would see Austin. You would see DX. You would see Undertaker. You would see Mankind. You'd see The Rock. You'd see The Godfather, Val Venus, Sable. The list goes on and on. You knew you were going to see those, those talents on TV every single Monday night. You had to. You just had to. You know, he was. if you didn't see somebody like The Godfather on Monday Night Raw, you knew there was an issue. But he was so over. He was so relevant at that time. And that's where you go back to, like I said, when they announced The Godfather a couple of years ago, I was like, The Godfather? Really? I'm like, all right. I, another one of those where it's like, I get it. But Hall of Fame? You know, eh. But he was relevant. And I think a lot of professional sports hall of fames base their decisions on the individual's relevancy to the sport not just what they contribute from a statistical level so when in years past when even i've complained about it and other wrestling fans have, have, have voiced their opinion on what they think you know the hall of fame should be constructed like and why you know I've never taken into account relevancy. And I and and so when Colin Cowherd was talking about Eli Manning's relevancy to going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Eli Manning was a very relevant figure in the world of football. And and don't quote me word for word here, you know, but I'm just kind of paraphrasing here when it comes to his take on it. Um he's you know, he said that you can't tell the Eli Manning story without his two Super Bowl victories. You can't tell the Eli Manning story without um, being relatively injury-free. Injury and you can't tell the story with, without talking about his consecutive starts as a quarterback. You can't tell the Eli Manning story without telling, you know, 
without telling the the story of you know um defeating the new england patriots in two super bowls one of those super bowls giving them their only defeat that entire season breaking the the opportunity for the 19 and 0 um record that they were going to try and achieve um you can't tell the story of the patriots dynasty without those two asterisks of eli manning and the new york giants beating them in both of those super bowls in 2008 and 2012 so um Aside from the numbers that he produced, um, having the, the, the highest passer rating for a quarterback in the NFC East and being, you know, like I said, relatively injury free, had the most starts for a quarterback um, as a New York Giant, the two Super Bowls, the, the MVPs, um, you know. Yes, as a Giant fan, I'm pretty biased to say, yeah, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But when Cowherd kind of explained all that and talked about Eli Manning and his relevancy to the sport and how he is associated with so many different stories um, in the NFL between the Patriots and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and his run as a Giant and all the things he contributed as a New York Giant, like how can you not put him in the Hall of Fame? And like I said, um, I think that's something that WWE bases their decisions on when they go to put a Hall of Fame together. Who's relevant? Who's relevant during that particular time period that that we could say goes into the Hall of Fame? Who cares how many titles this guy won or how many main events that they've main evented before um, or, or you know who, how many buildings they've sold out? You know, they look at the relevancy and their connection to the audience. And so I've become, after after Cowherd's explanation, um, I've become a little more open-minded to, you know, some of the selections that WWE would be making um, when it comes to the Hall of Fame. And so, uh, you know, that's... I wanted to just kind of open up with that here and, and kind of give you guys my perspective where I'm at with it. And before I get into the, the two classes, like I said, real, I'm going to give you the realistic one that I think WWE is going to put out. And then I'm going to give you the one that I would like to have seen uh, moving forward. So, um, and I'll give you the reasons why all these guys are going into the hall of fame in the first place. Um, you know, both realistically and, um, you know, my own personal picks itself. So currently right now at the time of this recording, the only names that have been announced for the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2020 are the NWO and Batista, the NWO comprising of Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and X-Pac. Um, now, let me, let me give you the, the realistic class that I feel um, is going to be going into the Hall of Fame and why. Um, so... Before, actually, I'm sorry, before I do that, let me just backtrack a little bit here. Um, you know, Batista, very deserving of an honor of going into the WWE Hall of Fame, what he contributed, his relevancy to WWE, and how he's taken that and transcended into, uh, you know, a career in motion pictures and films. Um, and then, of course, the NWO. The NWO concept in and of itself changed the face of wrestling. Um, they really were the, the, the fire starter that, that really kicked off the Monday Night Wars, um, if you think about it. People say, oh, well, Bischoff fired the first shot by, you know, by putting Nitro up against Raw head-to-head -head in, in the fall of 95. Okay, maybe he did, but um, you know, he was just getting noticed. Um, you know, the NWO was what really made things you know put things into high gear because i don't you know as a fan i don't remember before the nwo storyline me flipping back and forth you know 
between the channels i would pick i would watch one and the other one i would catch you know usually nitro was a replay um but i would watch what i was able to watch at that time if i was allowed to stay up that late which normally i wasn't as a youngster but once the nwo came into play and you know they did the hulk hogan heel turn and all that stuff and that's been talked about on you know 800 million podcasts and different you know retrospectives um that's when you know my remote control got the most action um so the NWO concept in and of itself changed the face of wrestling. And I think the NWO and Batista definitely deserving of an honor to go into the Hall of Fame. Um, there's been controversy surrounding X-Pac's induction because he was inducted as a member of DX um, you know, last year. And I felt like that was, just, that was good for him because he you know, contributed more to DX, in my opinion, than he did with the NWO. Um, he was in DX longer than he was in the NWO. Um, there are some that might disagree with me, and that's fine. But uh, I feel like a second induction for him, especially back-to-back, -back, it's the first time they've ever done it. And you know how WWE is. They like to do first times. So um, I don't know. I'm just kind of I'm kind of mixed, and I'm kind of torn about that. And I'll get, I'll get into that a little bit more um, when I go through my fantasy uh, Hall of Fame. Um, but, uh, you know... Um, Definitely, you know, Hogan Hall and Nash and what they contributed to the NWO and the impact that, you know, those three had to really kick things into high gear is just, it's crucial. You'd have to put the three of them in together. Um, yes, I'm not, I, I will address the elephant in the room that is Eric Bischoff shortly, so bear with me. Um, so yeah, both Batista and NWO deserving of, of Hall of Fame inductions. I like that they kind of beefed up the top of the class a little bit. Um, I'm sure that they did that for, uh, you know, for, for ticket sales and to uh, generate, uh, you know, a, a, a quick sellout. I don't know what the status is currently, um, but, you know, normally they would announce the, the Hall of Fame, the, the top of the class of the Hall of Fame, usually like in January. Um, but they, this year they, they announced at the beginning of December when they put the tickets on sale. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it kind of took me for surprise that they announced them so early, but, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was thrilled with it. I love the Hall of Fame. Like I said, nostalgic wrestling fan. That's why I do this podcast. So I'm definitely looking forward to the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. I'm not looking forward to it going seven hours long. Hopefully they, they learned their lesson and, uh, you know, scaled things down. They did a pretty decent job of trying to, you know, uh, redo the concept last year um, but I'll get into that in a little bit um, all right so here who's here's who I think is going to round out the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2020 from WWE's perspective this is my realistic class of 2020 I'm gonna start with um, I'm gonna get this one out of the way the celebrity inductee I think they're gonna put Flo Rida the the the, the hip-hop artist into the Hall of Fame Based on the fact that every time WrestleMania has been in Florida, with the exception of 2008, Flo Rida has had some involvement. And, um, you know, he is from the state of Florida, hence the name Flo Rida. And so um, he was he, he played rock out to his match against John Cena in Miami in 2012. Had a special performance with um, uh, uh, Pitbull and uh, Lunch Money Lewis or whoever the fuck his name was. I thought that was such a silly name, and that's the only reason why I remember it. Um, at the 2017 WrestleMania, WrestleMania 33 in Orlando at the Citrus Bowl. Uh, or No, I'm sorry. It's not the Citrus Bowl anymore. It's the Camping World Stadium. Um, that's a stupid name, too. But... Um, 
yeah i feel like and of course he's he's had songs that have been you know um attributed to uh pay-per-view events you know the song my house was was the the theme for wrestlemania in dallas that one year so uh yeah that's why i feel like they're gonna put him into the hall of fame not because he's contributed and he's had a positive impact on the wwe um audience but he's been relevant to some big events in WWE, mainly the WrestleManias that have taken place in Florida. So that's why they'll probably put him in. I'm sure he won't get the warmest reception from the folks in Tampa um, when he, you know, makes it makes his way to the stage. If that's, you know, the direction they go. Like I said, this is my realistic version of the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, so yeah, that, let me just get that one away. That's Flo Rida. Um, the Warrior Award, which originally was a concept that was brought to life after the ultimate warrior had passed away um there was a point in his hall of fame speech um i was there in new orleans that year um i was at the hall of fame that was a fun hall of fame um but uh in this speech um warrior talked about doing some kind of special award for the folks that work behind the scenes in wwe that you don't know about the the cameraman or the producers or um the the the, the truck drivers the production crew one of them was jimmy miranda he had mentioned jimmy miranda i think worked in the merchandise department and he helped um set up uh the the merchandise at all the live events and the tv tapings and he was a big part of that and so um i think he was also on the production crew as well one of the big big guys on the production crew i could be wrong but um nonetheless you know warrior in his speech kind of you know hearkened to that and and you know initiated the idea that maybe there should be some kind of an award to you know remember and honor the people that you know aren't in front of the camera which i thought was a great idea that was probably the best part of his whole fucking speech because everything else he was you know dogging all the people he had beef with and just talking about how you know you know he everyone was an asshole and you know he wasn't and you know i just didn't really care for his speech um personally but anyhow that was the best part of his speech was when he brought up that idea for that award and then he passed away untimely just two day two or three days later um and uh you know of a heart attack and so um the 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 next year at the 2015 hall of fame they had introduced the the warrior award and they you know the first recipient of that award was um connor mccullough uh connor the crusher who was the daniel bryan super fan um you know he was he was battling a cancer for a long time and he had passed away just a few days after wrestlemania 30 in new orleans and his wish was to go to wrestlemania and see daniel bryan win the title and you know he had that huge moment he stood in the middle of the ring and uh, you know daniel i think daniel bryan uh, hugged him and um you know let him hold up the belt and then just a few days later maybe a couple weeks later i think it was he had passed away as well um so he was the first recipient and i thought well you know that makes a lot of sense like um his story was very touching and um you know i i had no problem with him getting you know the warrior award um there were fans out there that were like well that wasn't the real intention behind it etc cetera, etc cetera. um i tried to rationalize it that like well you know warrior kind of initiated this idea wwe kind of ran with it but put their own spin on it and tried to honor you know folks that you know battle like warriors on a daily basis you know throughout life and you know I, I thought it wasn't bad um but i could see why you know from a pr standpoint um you know folks thought it was in poor taste but you know 
it is what it is. I'm not going to, you know, you know, split atoms here and try to figure that out. Uh, but yeah, so, um, you know, there was Connor Mc you know Connor the crusher um then Joan London uh, received the warrior award in 2016 uh Joan London uh television personality um uh you know was battling cancer and she's been a big advocate for breast cancer with the Susan G Komen Foundation um so she received the award another foundation that works with WWE I didn't really have a problem with that either um then the next year in, in Orlando um Eric Legrand who was a college football player for Rutgers um a number of years ago uh, was paralyzed after um a, a play during during a game and he's been you know wheelchair bound ever since but he goes around the country as a motivational speaker and i was like damn that's a you know good idea too and as the years have gone by everyone has just you know when well, i would say everyone but a lot of wrestling fans out there have shit all over the idea and the concept and i was just like jesus christ like they're trying to do something nice here like you know do you think that like you really think that they're so evil that they just want to make themselves look good that they're doing this like i don't know i just thought it was just rather silly and i think a lot of wrestling fans don't know what they're talking about when it comes to to stuff like that um nonetheless um the following year in 2018 they gave it to uh, jarius robertson who had a um, little jj jarius robinson from the new orleans area um, who had a, you know a, a birth defect and some some issues i believe with his heart i'm and i didn't do all the research on each recipient here but i'm just kind of like going back in memory um, and then last year they gave the award to um Sue Aitchinson, who works for WWE behind the scenes, and she was very instrumental in all the charities that WWE is associated with, like Make-A-Wish and the, the, the bullying, you know, Be A Star rallies and um, Special Olympics and all these great things that the company does working with all these different outside charities and organizations and giving back. She is mainly responsible for that those relationships with wwe so i felt that that was very fitting um and they kind of kind of went back to warrior's initial idea that you know it was somebody behind the scenes that's not working on camera that you know deserves the recognition and i thought you know okay they kind of went back with that concept and so um <clears throat> i feel like that realistically speaking for this year's warrior award i think they're going to give it to matt capitelli now for those of you who don't know who matt capitelli is matt capitelli won um the tough enough contest back in uh i want to say it was 2002 2003 maybe 2003 i think he won the, he was a co-winner with um john morrison who just recently returned to wwe and um capitelli would report to the ohio valley um wrestling uh, developmental training center that wwe was working with and um he was developing his character and he was working matches and he was getting trained more and he had a lot of potential he was a fan he wasn't just some guy that wanted to get on tv he was a fan of the business and people saw great potential in him and how he was progressing then all of a sudden, um, not too long after, you know, or early on into his training, uh, it was he had announced that he um, had uh, they found a brain tumor um, and it was starting to spread. And he would uh, he would have on and off battles with, you know, um, 
these tumors and the cancer that, that, that came with it for a number of years until just recently within the last year he lost his life um, he couldn't he couldn't fight it anymore the, the tumors had come back and um, they had spread and it was just it, it, it took him um, and for all these years, he had battled to try and live his dream to be a wrestler. Um, and I, I, I think WWE kept him on the payroll for, for, for quite a while, even though he wasn't wrestling. Um, I know he tried to make a comeback a number of years ago um, after he was free and clear. Um, and so um, I feel like he's a situation where they would they would definitely give him the warrior award um for everything that he went through trying to achieve his dream and unfortunately not being here um to receive that award and you know ultimately you know the the, the tumor and the cancer um you know you know taking his life um but there's some folks out there that that would say that you know it didn't take his life he fought through it and he still you know he still accomplished great things despite the setbacks and uh you know cancer didn't take him um etc cetera, etc cetera. but um yeah i feel like that that could be uh, an award you know that could be the recipient for the warrior award for this year's 2020 hall of fame class all right we got those kind of out of the way because uh, i know those aren't really the, the big popular inductees when it comes to the hall of fame um so let me get into who i think who who i also think will be inducted into the wwe hall of fame and first i'm gonna go with kane i think kane's getting in this year because kane uh recently came back he did that interview with steve austin on the network which by the way it was an excellent interview i didn't expect it to be that good kane is kane's a good interview he's very entertaining when he tells stories i thought it was excellent um and uh, a different side of him that I hadn't really seen before. Um, but, uh, you know, of course, his contributions as, you know, the character, the, the, the Kane character and the different incarnations of it. And, you know, his 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 contributions, you know, is a, is a who's who. You know, he's won just about every single title there is, a money in the bank, um, you know, the heavyweight champion on a couple of occasions, tagged with a bunch of guys like Hurricane and Mankind and Daniel Bryan and Team Hell No and all the great stuff, Undertaker, you know, the, that his introduction into the, into the company as the Kane character um, facing off with the Undertaker was just great stuff. Um, and I talked about it on a, a recent uh, podcast with, with my brother Justin when we were talking about the kayfabe family relations and how, you know, Undertaker and Kane were like the two guys that kind of kept with that story the entire time. It's been over 20 years. And when they do put them back together, they're still recognizing each other as brothers. I mean, it's it was just I was just amazed at like how long they have taken this and run with it. And so, you know, all the great things Kane has done over the years um you know now that he's the mayor of Knox County Tennessee um he's he's not around as much he made a recent uh, uh appearance um on Smackdown getting himself involved with the Daniel Bryan and uh Bray Wyatt stuff as they headed into the Royal Rumble so um you know, I feel like, you know, with, with, with Kane kind of popping up here and there, I can see him getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Who do I see him? Who do I see inducting him? Um, well, of course, everyone would probably say, oh, it's got to be Undertaker because Undertaker is the character that's most associated with him. Um, and it would kind of surprise me if they did have Undertaker induct him. However, I'm going to say that if he goes in this year, they're probably going to have Daniel Bryan do it because of the, the team hell no. Um, 
you know, uh, tag team and how popular that was. Plus, Daniel Bryan, he's on the current roster. He's relevant. Once again, there's that relevancy factor that I've been talking about, not just with the inductees, but with the people that are inducting them as well as to who they feel, um, who I feel is going to be inducting them. Um, and while we're on the subject of inducting, um, you know, let me go, let me backtrack a little bit here. When it comes to Matt Capitelli and Flo Rida, um, who who could induct them? Well, you know, usually every year for the Warrior Award, they have Dana Warrior come out and do a fucking speech and do the same rah rah about how great her husband was and the spirit of the warrior and all that bullshit. Um, so I'm sure she'll do that again. But uh, to induct Matt Capitelli, I'd probably put John Morrison in that spot um, since that they won the tough enough and together and they were friends and et cetera, et cetera. When it comes to flow, right? I could give a shit who inducts him into the WWE hall of fame if that even happens. So um, there, leave it at that. Um, but yeah, Daniel Bryan, definitely. I could see inducting Kane. Uh, I would love to see undertaker do it because undertaker has not been presented in that kind of forum um, for the longest time. I, I think even to this day, he does not sit um, in the audience with the Hall of Fame because he wants to protect his character. Although in the last couple of years, since he's kind of scaled back a lot when it comes to his in-ring activity, um, Undertaker has, um, you know been a little more open to discussing you know the the origins of his character and he hasn't protected it so much the 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 steve austin interview the broken skull session on the network is is proof of that so maybe they would put undertaker in that position to induct kane which i think would be a pretty cool moment um or maybe we'll just see undertaker in the crowd and kane you know could pay homage to the undertaker in some form or fashion and it gets a big pop and you know etc etc so um but yeah, Kane goes without saying. I mean, everything that he's accomplished, the great matches he's had, the rivalries, um, his longevity in the company, and what do you, you know, the, the range his characters had from, you know, being a, a character that, you know, couldn't talk and wore a mask, and then slowly but surely as time evolved, you know, you saw more personality out of his character, and, you know, he, he eventually did talk, and, you know, then he unmasked at one point, and, you know, that was another dimension of his character, which I thought some of that stuff was pretty good when he did the unmasking, and in the summer of 2003, and he did that stuff with Shane. McMahon and RVD and you know heading into the stuff he did with Undertaker the following year um, I thought that was some of Kane's best work you know the unmasking of him it just brought another dimension to his character that you can really tap into so um, definitely for sure Kane Hall of Famer um, Daniel Bryan definitely inducting him um, you know you gotta have a female and Usually it's more than one female. I could see WWE putting two in, but um, if I'm going to pick a female that's going to go in to this year's class, realistically speaking, some people, you know, first of all, I will say this. When we talk about relevancy with people going in, I didn't think Tori, there was, Tori Wilson was another name that I was like, Hall of Fame? She was just a fucking, you know, like arm candy to somebody. Like, what the fuck did she do? Like, Hall of Fame? And I still kind of think that. I'm like, yeah, she was a great looking chick, but it's not like she had great matches. She was more of a valet than she was a wrestler. And that's no disrespect to her. Like, I respect her contributions to what she brought. I enjoyed watching her in the roles that they put her in for the most part. But Hall of Fame, I was like, this is fucking lifetime achievement right here. Um, I mean, the Hall of Fame credentials. And I didn't even think there was any relevancy when it came to her. You know what I mean? I really didn't. So, um, 
on the subject of relevancy with the females, um, if there's somebody I think currently that's going to go in, I think it's going to be someone based on her her work um, in ring and you know what she brought from an in ring standpoint. And I'm talking about Mickey James. I think Mickey James is going to go into the Hall of Fame this year. I think Mickey James is, um, very, I think she's very, still very talented and should have a more prominent role in the women's division. But um, they've scaled her back. Um, they, they, they're trying to incorporate new stars. Um, and so they don't use her as often. Uh, I know that she kind of had a brief run um, on the syndicated uh, main event show that actually airs on Hulu and on the network. She was commentating with Byron Saxton for a little bit, but... I don't think she does that anymore. Um, so I could see them putting Mickey James into the Hall of Fame uh, this year in 2020. I mean, you know, the big splash, you know, talented performer. Um, you knew you, you wouldn't get a bad match out of her. Um, a lot of great stuff she contributed. I love the stuff she did with Trish Stratus, the little stalker angle that led to her winning the belt at WrestleMania in, in 2006 some really fun stuff um even her tna stuff was really good stuff too you know the stuff she did with gail kim and victoria who i think was uh, i forget what her fucking name was um in in tna but uh yeah mickey james overall has had some really good matches you know lead matches great matches with lita um so yeah i definitely think mickey james is probably going to go into the hall of fame if there's someone to put mickey james into the hall of fame it would probably be trish stratus because of the association and how trish kind of brought you know trish's character um you know really um helped put her over the top in her introduction to wwe so if there's anyone that's going to induct uh mickey james i think it would be trish stratus wwe hall of famer um all right let's move on here um Mickey James, Kane, Flo Rida, Matt Capitelli. Um, the last one here that I think that rounds out this Hall of Fame class realistically. So, like I said, you got the NWO, Hogan Hall, Nash, and X-Pac. You got Batista. You have Kane. You have Mickey James. You have Flo Rida, Celebrity Award. And you got Matt Capitelli for the Warrior Award. You got to put a tag team in. Usually you either put a tag team or a manager. And I feel like that this year the tag team that's going to go in is Edge and Christian, making Edge a two-time WWE Hall of Famer. Um, me personally, I wouldn't mind if they put Christian in on his own. However, um, you know, with Edge just recently returning to the Royal, you know, to the um, the in the Royal Rumble match, which was a pretty cool moment. I was a big Edge guy, still am to this day. Um, you know, I wasn't the biggest Edge and Christian guy. I will say that they did some cool stuff, but I liked the Hardys over Edge and Christian um, back in the day. And so, um, Edge and Christian going into the Hall of Fame um, as a team, I think, makes sense. Um, even though I, even though I wouldn't mind seeing Christian go in on his own. Christian's done a lot of great stuff on his own. You know, multiple-time Intercontinental Champion. He won the World Title on a couple occasions. The run with Randy Orton was some really cool stuff. Um, you had, uh, you know, his uh, some of the runs he had with Chris Jericho in a sing, you know, in a rivalry as well as a tag team. So I mean, Christian has contributed a lot. He was relevant during a time period where um, WWE was transitioning. Um, you know, from 2002 to I'd say probably about. 
shit, I don't know, 2005 before he left to go to TNA. And even some of the stuff he did in TNA with his faction, the Christian Coalition with AJ Styles and Tomko and, you know, his matches with Jeff Jarrett. I mean, you know, Christian is without a doubt one of the most underrated in-ring performers of all time. Um, he played a really good weasel of a heel. Um, and as time went on, I was, I, I became fond of Christian in a singles role. I really did. Um, but I feel like they would probably put him with Edge because, you know, Edge just recently returned and people know Christian more, you know, with the association with Edge as a tag team. They really do. Um, and if you guys watch the Edge and Christian show on the WWE Network, I suggest you, know, you go back and watch it again because um, one of the reasons why I think they would put Christian in the Hall of Fame with Edge because there's always been this running joke and they kind of, you know, uh, made made light of it um on the edge and christian show that like you know christian's nobody without edge um christian even jokes around about it when they did their podcast you know the 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 the, the pot of awesomeness or whatever it was called um christian would you know kind of be treated like you know second fiddle to edge and he you know he was a good sport about it he made jokes about it like i said there were premises on the edge and christian show that presented that that edge and you know edge was bigger than christian and christian was just a nobody in in some ways so i feel like putting them in the hall of fame christian would make a good joke out of it get some comic relief and like i said plus people know who they are as a tag team i mean you know the the their record as a team goes without saying and how relevant they were to make tag team wrestling a thing. I mean, in, in the late nineties going into the two thousands tag team wrestling, um, you know, it was on a resurgence and Edge and Christian were a big part of that along with the Hardys and the Dudleys with the TLC matches they had, but you know, the matches they had with too cool and, and the APA and, you know, all these great tag teams that came out of that, that era of tag team wrestling in WWE. Um, they were at the forefront of it, you know, the, the top heel team working with, you know, everybody, um, even, you know, the likes of, you know, Undertaker and Kane at one point, um, you know, the rock and, and, uh, you know, whoever else he tagged with, I think rock, and Kane were tag team partners at one point, tag team champions, um, and they wrestled on uh, Edge and Christian a time or two for the belts. But, um, yeah, I mean, Edge and Christian, definitely worthy of the Hall of Fame, making Edge a two-time Hall of Famer. I think it would make for some comic relief that Christian, you know, were to kind of make fun of himself, that the only reason why he's going in is because Edge returned and etc etc i can see that i could totally see that in their speech as far as who inducts them um i would like to see the hardys and the dudleys both induct edge and christian um into the hall of fame because they were so pivotal 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 in their careers I, there i go trying to trying to use big words again um but i i i don't think they're gonna have both teams do it it's either one or the other now matt hardy's contract runs out in a month jeff's dealing with some personal issues bubba ray works in ring of honor devon's the only one that's still left with the company um do they dust off the hardys and bring them back to induct them do they call bubba ray and say hey we want you to induct edge and christian um do they have somebody totally you know separate do it somebody that you know not an engine you're not a hardy boys or a dudley boys somebody else that was very instrumental in their careers so they call like rhino you know who was a, who played a big part in their careers um i don't know but um do they call lita maybe lita gets the call to induct them into the hall of fame i don't know but um i think that regardless of who inducts them um 
the TLC moment will probably um, kind of get brought up and will be a big part of their speech. You know, a couple of years ago, the Dudleys went to the Hall of Fame. They called both Edge and, you know, Edge and Christian inducted them, and then they called the Hardys up on stage, um, and they said, you know, this is probably one of the last times you'll ever see this again, um, all of us in the same place at the same time. So um, maybe we could see that again with the Hardys and the Dudleys inducting them into the Hall of Fame. Or maybe it's the Hardys this time, and then they call the Dudleys out on stage. It's like a little surprise, even though Bubba works for Ring of Honor. Um, maybe they give him a buzz, and he makes this cameo. Or maybe they give it to somebody who maybe, – maybe they have someone induct them that has no association with them whatsoever, but you try to bring relevancy to the main roster. Maybe somebody like the New Day or somebody like the Usos um, who are big, you know um, – cornerstones of tag team wrestling in wwe maybe the revival you know who knows um but yeah edge and christian is a tag team definitely well deserved if if they didn't put the two of them in together which i think they will um i wouldn't have a problem with them putting christian in all by himself either because of everything he's accomplished on his own so um that to me rounds out the realistic portion of the wwe hall of fame class now i'm going to give you my fantasy portion of the wwe hall of fame class and uh you know why i feel they should go in and who would induct them into the wwe hall of fame um i'll be honest with you i'm gonna keep both the i'm gonna keep the headliners i'm gonna keep the nwo and i'm gonna keep batista um and uh they're gonna make a slight change to the nwo no disrespect to x-pac sean waltman great talent Definitely a Hall of Famer, um, but like I said, I feel like he contributed more to DX than he did the NWO, so therefore, I'm going to take him out of this slot, and I'm going to replace him with Eric Bischoff. Um, that was a name that came up when they announced the NWO. They were like, X-Pac? Why isn't Bischoff there? And I kind of agreed. Um, Bischoff contributed a lot to the NWO concept, not just behind the scenes, you know, but also in front of the camera as well. And, uh, you know, I feel like he was really a core part of the NWO. Like I said, X-Pac had two small runs in the NWO in WCW and WWE respectively. Um, but didn't, you know, I wouldn't say that I'd say his impact, his, his small run in the NWO and WCW was more impactful than his, you know, three-month run in wwe with the the that rebranded nwo that was you know nash booker t big show x-pac sean michaels like that little group yeah um his wcw run when he when he first came in as six um was definitely more impactful than his wwe nwo run um but i just don't feel like i feel like dx was more it was more suited for him now i just read recently a tweet somebody had posted something regarding that and kevin nash responded with you know he you know with you know you don't know what you're talking about he definitely deserves to go in um he contributed so much you know on the live events as a member of the nwo defend the cruiserweight belt every night he was like the nash said something to the effect of like he was like the buddy jack roberts of the nwo and for those of you that don't know buddy jack roberts was like the third guy in the freebirds with michael hayes and terry gordy and he did all the bumping around and you know x Pac or sean waltman did the same thing when he was a member of the nwo and um 
Had he not been fired, he probably would have been a big part of the NWO split in 1998 when they split in, you know, the black and white and the red and black. Uh, and he probably would have been a part of that little wolf pack with, with Nash um, facing off against NWO Hollywood. But, um, I, yeah, I put Bischoff in this because he's, like I said, he contributed so much to the concept, both behind the scenes and in front of the camera. Um, he was the one to really do the first heel authority figure over Vince. Um, he, you know, I wouldn't say he wrote the book on it, but he started it. Vince just finished the rest of the book. You know, v Bischoff started the book, but Vince finished the rest of it when it came to the heel authority figure. And so, um, I feel like Bischoff is very deserving of a Hall of Fame induction, and I would have liked to have seen him uh, go in with the rest of the NWO because of what he contributed and how instrumental he was. Like I said, he signed Hall. He signed Nash. He ha he was one of the guys to help convince Hogan to turn into a bad guy and portray the role of Hollywood Hogan. You know, there's everyone and their mother has, has, has taken credit for not only Hulk Hogan's entry into WCW in the 90s, but also convincing him that he should have turned into a bad guy. From fucking Mike Graham to Greg Gagne to Kevin Sullivan to fucking the, 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 the janitor that sweeped the fucking building at the end of the night. Everyone has made claim that they are the pitch man that, that, that convinced Hogan that he needed to do this, otherwise his career was going to be dead. And I call bullshit on just about all all of that and maybe it's because i'm biased i'm an eric bischoff guy but eric bischoff without a doubt without a doubt um you know helped make the nwo into one of the strongest brands in all of wrestling history and if he didn't convince hogan to do that we wouldn't be having this conversation today so i think he's a big part of that um and that's why i want him a part of the nwo now who do you induct who do you have induct the NWO? Okay. This is a tricky one. All right. I wouldn't say it's a tricky one, but this one's fun. Okay. Um, you could make a case for somebody like a DDP because DDP's character was slowly on the rise, but until he kind of interacted and mixed it up with the NWO, um, he, I mean, he was on the move, but the NWO kind of put him over the top. So you could take somebody like a Diamond Dallas Page. Sting, you could have Sting induct the NWO. I mean, Sting's character made a dramatic change and revitalized his career in that NWO storyline because of what the NWO did to him. So it wouldn't be egregious for Sting to induct the NWO. Goldberg, another name you could have induct the NWO. Um... The Goldberg character had many of run-ins with the NWO. Uh, Ric Flair, the opposite, you know, of what the NWO represented. Flair representing the Four Horsemen. And some say that the NWO kind of patterned some of their mannerisms and style after the Four Horsemen. But, um, you know, maybe putting Flair in that role. For me personally... Um, I think they're probably going to go with, and I wouldn't mind seeing this either because I think this makes sense too, but I think they probably would have put, they, they would probably have DX induct the NWO, um, you know, Shawn Michaels um, and Triple H respectively because um, it was Shawn Michaels and Triple H that really started the DX concept right during the hot period of when the NWO was, you know, um, up the main focal point of TV. And many would argue that, that DX was heavily influenced by the NWO. I think DX would even say so themselves that they were heavily influenced by the NWO. Um, 
So Shawn Michaels, Triple H, I think would be a cool moment to induct um, the NWO. Like I said, Michaels, Goldberg, Flair, DDP, Sting, um, you know, would, would be more than solid choices to induct uh, the NWO. Um, Batista. Like I said, I'm going to keep Batista uh, because I feel like Batista, you know, is is deserving of a Hall of Fame induction uh, relevancy. He was one of the top guys in WWE for a number of years from 2005 to, you know, 2008, 2000, 2010, I should say. Um, a big part of their organization. Um, he was a big part of the transition and he was one of the, the stars that they made. Um, everything he did from Evolution to his singles run to the matches he had with Undertaker and John Cena and Triple H and the list goes on and on. I mean, you could, you know, Batista definitely deserving of a Hall of Fame run if there's somebody to induct him. Um, you know, there's a number of guys you can put in that role. You could put Ric Flair and Triple H and Randy Orton as a part of Evolution. You could have Evolution induct Batista into the Hall of Fame. Or you could just have Triple H do it. Um, I know Batista recently on Twitter, after it was announced that he was going into the Hall of Fame, he said he wanted Fit Finley to induct him because Fit was such a... Um, integral part of his career behind the scenes and help shape him as a performer. Um, I don't think WWE is going to go that route, but um, I could see, um, you know, I, I, I could see why Batista would want him to induct him. Uh, maybe Undertaker. They had some great matches with each other. Um, you know, not too many guys. Maybe John Cena. You know, John Cena and Batista came from that Ohio Valley wrestling class that people look at as like probably the greatest class of of talent to to make it up to the main roster between Batista, Cena, Orton, Brock Lesnar, Shelton Benjamin. Um, you know, that that class was stacked with talent, and you know, maybe a John Cena would be uh, a a good choice to induct Batista into the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, here's another thought when it comes to Batista. Um, and I think this would, th th this could go either way. It could really, you know, upset fans or it could, you know, it, it, wrestling fans could take a liking to it. But what if they put Batista into the Hall of Fame as a celebrity inductee? Um, the first WWE superstar to be inducted into the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame based on his accomplishments as a movie star with all the Guardians of the Galaxy movies he's done and all the other projects that he's been a part of um, that he'll continue to be a part of, uh, you know, forthcoming. Uh, that would be interesting, having Batista induct, inducted as a celebrity into the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame. You know, all his accomplishments in WWE and then what he's done in movies so far these last few years. Um, some have said maybe they have Thor, Chris Pratt, induct him into the WWE Hall of Fame. I don't know, you know, you know how much he's charging for an appearance and or if WWE be willing to to give him a call but um that would be interesting so yeah i'm gonna keep the headliners for this class my fantasy class of the 2020 wwe hall of fame um rounding out that class i'm gonna go with i'm gonna start with the warrior award and i'm gonna give that to howard finkel now i know howard finkel has already been inducted into the wwe hall of fame but it goes back to the initial concept behind warriors thoughts of that award when he had talked about it in 2014 and in his speech um howard finkel is a huge part of WWE history, not just as a ring announcer and that iconic voice of introducing the challenger from Tokyo, Japan. I mean, think when you hear that voice, you're like, it's just synonymous with, you know, nostalgia 
you know, wrestling, um, at least for me as a kid growing up. And so Finkel um, not only was a ring announcer, but he was one of the very first employees that Vince McMahon ever hired um, in the World Wrestling Federation. But he also was very big behind the scenes in, in dealing with, you know, the travel department, making sure guys, you know, got to their towns and, you know, was also um, big, you know, in the, the production element, um, you know, setting up the rings and, and uh you know, all the backstage duties that he was like the ultimate errand boy. He was what you would call in the restaurant business, a roundsman. He could work any job. He could, you know, be a, um, you know, he, he could be a bus boy. He could be a waiter. He could be a bartender. That's just the, the, the terminology that, um, that, you know, I, 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 I know because I used to be in the restaurant business, but, uh, Finkel, I think, um, you know, he got the recognition in 2009 as a ring announcer, and that was great, and I loved it. Um, but he contributed so much more behind the scenes from all the stories I've heard. Talents he's driven. You know, he, sometimes he was tasked to driving guys around. Um, like I said, he was the ultimate errand boy. He was, he was you know, the, the I wouldn't say the perfect employee, but, like, he did anything that company asked him to do, you know, whether it was to humiliate him on TV or if it was to, you know, go pick up Ric Flair's clothes from the dry cleaners. Like, he did it all um, along with, like, you know, uh, uh, Harvey Whippleman and Steve Lombardi, a.k.a. the Brooklyn Brawler. Those three were, like, you know, the, the, the top errand boys, you know, he would help get guys together to, to, to film interviews for, you know, the DVDs and stuff you see on the network and shit like that. And so, um, I feel like, uh, Finkel's contribution behind the scenes should be recognized. And also too, you know, on a personal note, um, you know, a number, a couple of years ago, he suffered a stroke and his health has not been the greatest. Um, I posted on our Facebook page over a year ago, like around WrestleMania weekend, uh, there was a picture of him with uh, Zack Ryder and Bruce Prichard um, in the hotel lobby at WrestleMania weekend, and he was in a wheelchair. Um, and he looked great, but um, they say his health has just uh, has, uh, declined uh, tremendously um, and significantly. And so, you know, I think, you know, having one more kind of moment in the spotlight so to speak, I think would, uh, would be kind of cool for him. And, you know, having the company recognize all his contributions and his efforts behind the scenes and just what he's been going through on a daily basis, that warrior award, you know, the, the meaning behind it and, you know, battling through adversity on a regular basis. You know, I don't think he's, I don't think he still works for the company. I think Vince takes care of him, um, on a, on a monetary and financial level, I would, I would hope he does considering everything he's done for them, you know, in the 40 plus years he had been with the company. But, um, yeah, I think it would just be a kind of a cool moment. And, you know, cause I don't think he's, unfortunately the, with the stories I've heard regarding his health, I don't think he, there's many opportunities for him to, to, um, to have that kind of moment. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, you know, he lives in the Northeast area. I believe he's in like the the New York Stamford area, you know, to have him travel, uh, all the way to, to Florida, I think would be, you know, a, I, I think it might take a toll on his health. So, you know, like I said, this is a fantasy version of the hall of fame. So it's probably not realistic that they would put him in, um, in this manner, unless they were to do it and they had him accept the award via satellite from his home. And he does like a quick speech or something. But if you were to have somebody induct him into the hall of fame, 
with the you know getting the warrior award i would probably say it'd probably be one of the mcmahons because of how close he's been with the family over the years uh, maybe vince maybe linda you know uh, vince never wants to do any of those hall of fame so maybe you have, maybe you have linda do it or maybe you bring shane back um because i've always heard stories of how you know finkel you know you know was very um you know involved in you know the, the kids growing up and you know sometimes you know vince would ask him to you know drive my son to soccer practice or drive stephanie to ballet you know the, the the ballet lessons or whatever you know what i mean like i've i've heard all kinds of crazy stories about how involved finkel was with the family so um maybe a mcmahon family member inducts him uh with the warrior award in my fantasy um hall of fame here's a um a, a, a a, a twist on the celebrity um, induction into the Hall of Fame that I would like to see that I think would be kind of cool. You can kind of kill two birds in one stone. For a number of years, Bam Bam Bigelow has been rumored to be inducted into the Hall of Fame class. I would say probably for the last three or four years, he's been a name that has internally come up. And I kind of hope he goes in this year because of his contributions in wrestling. Um, but um, if you wanted to put him into the Hall of Fame, um, I wouldn't mind seeing him go into the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. What if they took the celebrity wing this year and you inducted a match into the WWE Hall of Fame. There was rumors that they were going to induct the WrestleMania one main event into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2014. Um, and that would include, you know, Hogan, Mr. T, Orndorff, Piper, Snuka, Bob Orton, uh, Pat Patterson, who was the referee, and Muhammad Ali, who was the outside referee. You were to induct the entire main event. Um, a lot of those guys were already in the Hall of Fame to begin with, and they kind of nixed that idea. But what if you took the WrestleMania 11 main event involving Bam Bam Bigelow and his opponent, Lawrence Taylor? and inducted them into the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame. You give Bigelow the induction. You can talk about how instrumental he was into helping Lawrence Taylor perform that evening. And then, of course, you got Lawrence Taylor, who, you know, made a big contribution to WWE being involved in the main event. Um you know, as, when the Hall of Fame approaches, we'll have been 25 years removed from that match at that WrestleMania, which, by the way, we're going to be covering that on the go-home WrestleMania edition of Kicking Out at 2 on April the 1st, April Fool's Day. Uh, we're going to do a special WrestleMania 11 watch-along. And we're going to watch that show from beginning to end on WWE Network. So uh, be ready for that. April 1st, April Fool's Day, um, the approaching the 25-year anniversary. But what if we did do that? You know, what, you know, like I said, Lawrence Taylor was a big contributor to that main event at WrestleMania. And I think he did a hell of a job. And then, of course, Bam Bam Bigelow, who doesn't get enough credit for helping get LT to that point. He helped train him um, to get to that point. And so I feel like recognizing LT is a celebrity plus Bam Bam Bigelow. You put them together, and 25 years later, the main event of WrestleMania 11, which a lot of people regard as the worst WrestleMania of all time, and I'll get into that when we watch that show on April Fool's Day. But, um, yeah, I think that would be a pretty cool idea, um, putting the two of them in together. And you don't need to have anyone induct the match itself. Maybe you could, maybe you can have Pat Patterson or maybe Jerry Lawler who called the match. Um, or, you know, maybe one of, you know, um, 
you know, maybe Ted DiBiase, who was the manager of Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, I know Pat Patterson was the referee of the match, but he also helped train LT along with Bam Bam Bigelow. Maybe if Pat Patterson induct the two of them into the Hall of Fame. Um, but yeah, that would be kind of cool. I, I think, you know, like I said, you kill two birds with one stone, you put Bigelow in. You also recognize his accomplishments and what he did as a big man in wrestling, too. You know, you don't just recognize what he contributed to that WrestleMania match, but everything else he did as well from his time in, you know, the, the territory system, uh, Japan, and of course, you know, NWA. Jim Crockett, WCW, WWF, ECW. So Bigelow's got a lot, you know, of accomplishments that, um, you know, could be recognized. Um, and the relevancy, too. He was a very popular character during all of his runs. Like I said, the main event of WrestleMania against Lawrence Taylor in Hartford, Connecticut, my hometown. Um, that'd be kind of cool. So that would be my celebrity Hall of Fame inductee. Um, Coming up next here um, to round out this Hall of Fame class would be someone who um, they've there's been petitions online for this individual to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame and um, for a number of years by his family. Um, and unfortunately, he's no longer here with us, but someone who is definitely deserving of a, of a Hall of Fame induction. I wouldn't mind seeing it. Um, I know they they don't like to put more than one, you know, person who has passed away into the Hall of Fame in a ceremony because it kind of, you know, is a downer. But um, what if they put, uh, what if they put the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, into the Hall of Fame? Um, I'd like to see that this year in 2020. Um, Davy Boy, you know, his, his great runs with dynamite as a part of the british bulldogs tag team and then of course his singles runs and the things he's done as a singles wrestler you know his intercontinental championship win over bret hart is probably the highlight of his career his matches with Shawn michaels his run in the Hart foundation stable you know with brett and owen and anvil and pillman um the stuff he even did, uh, you know, in, in WCW in the early 90s with, like, Vader and Sting and then eventually going back. He didn't have a great run in the end, but, um, yeah, Davey Boy Smith, all that he's accomplished and, um, you know, how he was how, – how, you know, his career shaped. I mean, it's – it, it, to me, I feel like it's it, it should have happened a long time ago, but I get why they didn't do that. Um, the nature of his passing, he had died, you know, drug-related issues. And so, um, you know, he was battling some, as they like to call demons, even though I hate that fucking term. They like to call them demons. So, uh, yeah, I could, you know, I would like to see Davy Boy Smith go in to the Hall of Fame this year. I really would. Um, you know, it, I listed off all his accomplishments and, you know, the beginning you know, of, of that statement, I'd mentioned his career highlight being his match with Brett at SummerSlam in 92. I'd probably have Brett induct him. Uh, number one, because he's, you know, a, a two-time WWE Hall of Famer. People know who Bret Hart is. He's got that relevant factor um, with wrestling fans. Um, and like I said, he was a big part of Davy Boy's career highlight. Um, and not too many people close to Davy Boy Smith are currently alive unfortunately so brett would probably be the most ideal choice and of course accepting the honor would probably have to be um you know his wife diana as well as his um his sister uh his daughter georgia and their son harry um so yeah i could i i would like to see davy boy smith finally get his just due into the wwe hall of fame with bret hart inducting him um here's one that's been talked about that has uh been a um been a topic of hall of fame discussions in the last couple of years someone who i feel was very underrated um someone who 
if you look at him, he doesn't have like Hall of Fame credentials, but he was so good that like you you you, you feel like you can't pass him up. And I'm talking about the model Rick Martel. I think Rick Martel should definitely go into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2020 this year. Um, I, I enjoyed the model gimmick. Um, he was so good at what he did that, you know, as a kid, I, I, I hated him. I wanted to see everyone kill him, especially Jake the Snake when he blinded Jake with the arrogance. Um, and looking back as I've gotten older, I've began to appreciate his work more, especially with the model character. Um, you know, Rick Martel had a... a, a uh, a, a number of different runs in wrestling, you know, AWA world champion for a while. Um, you know, he was in the WWF for quite a while, you know, part of the Can-Am connection with Tom Zink. That didn't last very long. He had strike force with Tito Santana. They were the tag champs. Um, then he dumped him and he became the model. Um, and he had a series of great matches with Tito and guys like Jake, the snake Roberts and the, the famous master Shawn Michaels at the SummerSlam, where, um, you know, you couldn't punch each other in the face and, um, a lot of really cool, Cool, fun stuff from Rick Martel. Um, you know, as I've gone back and watched a lot of older stuff with the with the advent of the network, um, I've learned to appreciate him more. And one thing I'm very surprised by is that, like, to me, I don't know what it is, but the caliber of athlete that he is, I felt like he had Intercontinental Championship material written all over him. Like he would have been a great intercontinental champion when the intercontinental championship meant something, you know, working with guys like a Bret Hart and like a Shawn Michaels, um, you know, I feel like Rick Martel could have been a very good, you know, chicken shit heel intercontinental champion that some, you know, young baby face is, is chasing after. Um, even the stuff he did with Tatanka was a lot of fun, too, where he stole his feathers and, you know, sprayed the arrogance and, um, I just I, I would love to see Rick Martel get his just too. I felt like um, as I've gotten older, he's been very underappreciated and someone that you know I've learned to appreciate more as I've watched a lot of his older stuff. Um, who would induct Rick Martel? I don't know. Um, I mean, Tony Gurria maybe. They used to be tag team champions um, or tag team. Were they champions and partners? I know they're partners. Uh, maybe Tony Gurria, um, even though he's not with the company anymore. Uh, maybe a Tito Santana, even though he's not with the company anymore. Um, that classic rivalry with Jake the Snake. Maybe they give Jake a call, have him induct him. Who knows? Um, maybe Slick. At one point, the Dr. Style Slick was, um, you know, his manager. Um, maybe Shawn Michaels, you know, based off of that little rivalry they had um, in 92. Maybe Tatanka. I don't know. But um, Rick Martel definitely deserves to go into the WWE Hall of Fame this year. Um, and rounding out my fantasy Hall of Fame class uh, this year for 2020 is going to be the Midnight Express um, and Jim Cornette as well. Now, there's two different versions of the Midnight Express. There is beautiful Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry, and there's beautiful Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane. I'd put all three of them in with Cornette, so the four of them total, um, you know, as, as a tag team. Um, the Midnight Express, another group of guys that are very underrated in their contributions to wrestling they were probably one of the first tag teams along with the rock and roll express where they in the in the territory system they were able to make tag team wrestling a draw and make it you know profitable for the promotion and for the territory and they were a, a headliner they would main event like they're they're one of the very few rivalries during the territory system that like they bounced from different territory to territory and worked they worked with each other 
um, in, uh, in in Bill Watts promotion, uh, the UWF Mid South. Um, they worked together. Jim Crockett Promotions and the NWA. Um, they would eventually, when NWA became WCW, they would have matches with each other. Um, and the Midnights were just a very fundamentally sound tag team. Whether it was Eaton and Condry or Eaton and Stan Lane, and of course Jim Cornette was a lightning rod for Heat. What they lacked in charisma as a tag team, Cornette made up for it. And Cornette was a perfect mouthpiece for them. Um, I just recently watched a, a midnight um, rock and roll tag team match from Wrestle War 1990, which we're going to be covering in two weeks for our Blind Date Diaries. And there was a point in the match where Cornette um, gets up on the ring apron very early on, and he's, he takes his coat off like he's about to fight Nick Patrick. And the place went absolutely insane. They were so behind the referee wanting to kick Cornette's ass. Um, it was just a really fun element to that match that made it so popular um, and, and and made people want to see uh, the match evolve even more. Um, I just loved it. And I've always enjoyed the Midnight Express as a tag team. I My first introduction to them was stan lane and bobby eaton although um i remember as a kid going back and watching uh the scaffold match with bobby eaton and dennis Condry from starcade 86 against the road warriors the night of the skywalkers when Cornette did the big spot where he hung from the scaffold and both his knees blew out and etc etc and you know history showed us that you know we don't get too many scaffold matches anymore because of that but Midnight's definitely deserve to go in for their con- their contributions to tag team wrestling. They were they were a team that you know kind of built a formula for tag team wrestling to what it has evolved to and eventually become today. Um, and I feel like they don't get the credit that they deserve uh, for for what they contributed to the business. Uh, and that's just a guilty pleasure of mine putting them into the Hall of Fame. And of course, if you're going to put the Midnight Express into the Hall of Fame, you got to have the Rock and Roll Express induct them without a doubt. Ricky and Robert. I mean, when Ricky and Robert went in in 2017, WWE gave Jim Cornette a phone call and uh, he inducted them into the Hall of Fame. So it would be fitting that if Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express get inducted into the Hall of Fame, they go in with Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express. Um, and of course, you know, Cornette's contributions to the business. I mean, not only just as a manager, all the guys he's managed, but, you know, what he's been able to do um, to cultivate talent. Um, you know, he was a big part of the booking committee for Jim Crockett Promotions at one point. Um, he had his promotion, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Um, I believe he was a part of the creative process in WWE for a little bit. Um, you know, the, the, like I said, the, the list of names he's worked with between the Midnights and then, you know, the Heavenly Bodies and Smoking Mountain Wrestling. Um, you know, uh, Big Bubba Rogers, who was the late Big Boss Man, Yoko Zuna, Owen Hart, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Um, the list goes on and on. Cornette, um, probably on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling managers, for sure. Um, and a true fan of the business who is so passionate about the business. He's a fucking lunatic. If you ever listen to his podcast or watch any of his shoot interviews, he's a fucking lunatic. You know, how dare you disagree with his point of view, whether you have experience in the business or not. Um, he'll fucking verbally tear you to shreds uh, so uh, maybe that's one of the reasons why they haven't given him a phone call uh, because they don't they don't want to run the risk of him saying something a little off color uh, in the Hall of Fame speech so 
um that's just for me personally guilty pleasure midnight express rounding out this 2020 class um for the for the our our hall of fame pickums here this week and you know something um i think that about does it uh we've rounded everything out between our realistic classes and our um our uh, fantasy classes here i want to thank you all so very much for joining me this week uh next week i'm flying solo once again i'm going to be doing another day five fanny pack the fanny pack is back jack and we're going to be discussing some interesting topics such as potential horsemen members to replace Steve McMichael and Paul Roma, the live wire concept, as well as um, the uh, shit shit. I'm just losing my train of thought here. Where are my notes at? Oh, the battle bull concept as well. And other great topics as well. Five topics inside the fanny pack. I'm going to pull them out, discuss them at length and give them to you all next week here on kicking out at two. And like I said, I think it's about that time that we put this hall of fame pick'em show down for the three count. We will see you all next week.